I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Strip-Till Farmer Podcast Series. In today's program, we dig into the details of strip-tilling specialty crops, including snap beans, dry beans, and pumpkins, along with some of the transitional considerations when adding organic acres. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll look to get it added. And a reminder that by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to TopCon Agriculture for its support of this podcast series. Agronomy matters, and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planning to precision machine control, NORAX, boom height control, monitoring and mapping, to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4R nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. Well, corn and soybeans continue to be the crops of choice for strip tillers, validated by more than 97% and 44% of past strip-till farmer benchmark study respondents citing the cereal grain and legume as staples in their cropping rotation. But some farmers are incorporating vegetables and other specialty crops as lucrative additions to their strip-till systems. At Wallendahl Farms, Eric Wallendahl and his wife Megan are among this group of progressive farmers, experimenting with high-value row crops, historically more than 35 different vegetables on farm, and organic farming practices as profitable pieces of their evolving 3,200-acre operation near Grand Marsh, Wisconsin. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast brought to you by TopCon Agriculture, Megan Wallendahl explains their pursuit of creative and often lucrative outcomes, strip-tilling high-value crops, along with their ongoing transition to organic practices on their operation. We've been strip-tilling since 1985, so uh, we would set up row markers and we had some sort of put-together strip-till equipment that we used on our own, and then we uh, moved into some more sophisticated strip-tilling equipment. Uh, my background is in medicine, so I have a master's in neuro, and then went left uh, my MD-PhD program for farming. And it seems very disconnected, but really it's more like having 40,000 patients per acre than one. <laughs> So about our farm, we're about 3,200, 3,300 acres. We're all under center pivot irrigation, so we are irrigation farmers. We are on very sandy soil. I joke with Eric that when we have children and we want a sandbox, we'll just dig a hole and dig the sand up, put it in the sandbox. We do have a lot of different crops on the farm. Our history is really rich in vegetables and specialty vegetables, so that's why you see a large list there. And something newer to the farm is our pumpkins. And we actually do our strip tills with pumpkins quite a bit. And I'll bring that up later. These are some of our basic practices on our farm. Strip tillage, cover cropping, our IPM. We don't always go to an herbicide or pesticide right away. We're really trying to see if there's an alternative solution out there. Um, we've been working with UW-Madison for about 40 years. We've generated over about 30 different masters or PhDs off the farm with the work we've been doing with them. We feel it's really important to be connected with our university. Um, we do some interesting 
technology. So all of our soils are various or EC mapped. We do verborate irrigation, verborate fertigation, and some verborate spreading. And we do all of our sampling with our zones based on our EC. So our strip till equipment, we have two Orthman 12 or one trippers, one in a 22 inch and one in a 30 inch. We are mainly 22 inch row farmers and that's because there's a lot of, not a lot, there's sugar beets in our area, sugar beets are 22 inch rows. And about 10 years ago, there was a good auction with a lot of 22 inch equipment. So <laughs> we're mostly 22 inch, our 30 inch, we still do some uh, seed corn, sweet corn and other vegetables that we are required to do at 30 inch. <coughs> So part of our farm is we're 550 certified organic acres. We have another about 200 in transition. So the strip till has been really important to us for organics, particularly in terms of banding uh, nutrients. When you've got crops that can't always reach out for that two by two or you're transplanting in a crop, banding becomes a lot more uh, economical than it is to broadcast. Uh, we band these products at about two gallons per acre and then we can come through later with an in-furrow. Fish, you really don't want to do in-furrow. It can burn a lot of your crops because it is pretty potent, uh, especially if you've smelled it before. The fish products are, it's like they harvested the shores of Lake Michigan. We ban those about two gallons per acre. The broadcast rates for those are about 10 gallons per acre. That's a $56 per acre savings on just our organic nutrient, our amendments for strip-till. They're both, yeah, all of our strip-tills are liquid. So that's all, um, we don't do any dry through our strip tills. Something else we've been doing that's organic and we're working on some conventional with this is strip tilling into a living cover. And last year we did a red clover sunflower mix on a transitional field of ours actually. We strip tilled in once and thought that it looked like good on our rye, our clover kill and went through and planted in. It was a very nice burn, very good seed bed. Um, planted in the sunflowers and just left the field for the full year. And we had, it was okay germ. What we should have done was strip tilled twice to kill that clover back a little more. We strip tilled, planted, and then we had two weeks of about 60 degree weather. So the clover really flourished and the sunflowers just didn't take off. Uh, we also did a pass through the field where we mowed it and then strip tilled and planted. That pass actually did very well. So we learned some lessons on what we need to do. The benefit of this is we reduced our cultivation we reduced our nitrogen need costs. We had a lot more nitrogen applied to the field. If you look at the cost of an organic nitrogen, it's two to $5 per unit of nitrogen. And you can't always pick the $2 nitrogen. That's manure in your lot. You're generally restricted on that. We also do dry beans. So dark red kidney beans, pinto beans, great northern beans, both uh, organic and conventional. Dry beans are sort of a weak rooted crop. They're not like soybeans, which are resilient and will grow through anything. So we use a vertical tillage and then a strip till, or we do, this is our, a picture behind it is doing a tillage over our strip till. That's a weed control of ours. And with the kidney beans, any dry bean, it's really important when you're stripping, you're burrowing up that strip. So we actually, with our coulters, we'll put extra washers in to create an even higher bed because these beans will grow up and then as you're getting near harvest, they start to fall back down. When they're up on these berms, your ground is a lot lower, so your harvest or your one-stepper is coming through and getting a lot more of that beans off the ground than letting them ride on the ground. Uh, and with our beans, we're banding 825.3 in a premium 21, which is an amino acid mix. 
with snap beans, uh, green bean, and dry beans, they're recruited crops. I keep saying that. You can't just do a two by two. They don't reach out like corn does. They really need to have something else in there. Our two by two, we do have an, an inferral mix we do have. So our inferral mix, we do boron, uh, molly, a kelp. We use CX1 and Biostart and SP. Not all of those all the time, but generally a mix of those all the time. In general and it's not just on our organics we use that on our conventionals as well uh, we find what Brad was just saying in the last presentation micronutrients and soil health and the soil biology which really increased our yield and plant health defenses when you've got when you're strip tilling you're heating up that soil that's what the first presenter talked about you're heating that soil up um, you're able to we plant earlier with our kidney beans the warmer soil, when we have a high humidity in central Wisconsin, kidney beans just don't like to plant very well. They're an awkward sized bean. Um, they like to stick together. So by able to getting in sooner, there's less moisture in the air. We can plant a lot better, get those berms up, get those kidney beans off the ground. Also when we're strip tilling and we want to cultivate and we leave residue between the rows, you can go through the tine harrow. That residue goes, flows to that tine harrow gets in the row in that in that seed bed right there and reduces the amount of cultivation passes we need because that firm seed bed or all that residue in between the row lets us have to cultivate later. We're strip tilling in the spring. Our sands just don't hold the strip. So we're with the beach sand, we just can't. All of our beans are contracted. We contract before we plant. So we're contracted with Del Monte and Hartung for our snap beans and sweet corn. We are contracted with Chippewa Valley Bean, which is out of Chippewa Valley, Wisconsin, for our dark red kidney beans. And we're contracted with Everbest for our Great White Northerns and our Pinto beans. All of our pumpkins were contracted through Fry Farms. They're a distributor in Southern Illinois, Indiana. Um, and they sell about 60% of their pumpkins to Walmart. And we're all, uh, all our pumpkins are for jack-o'-lanterns or decorative. They're not for food grade. And then our cabbage, cucumbers, and squash are all contracted through Organic Valley Produce. So those are all going for fresh produce. So when you're looking at snap beans, dry beans, our conventional beans, we are cultivating still all of our conventional beans. That strip tillage really decreases the amount of times we cultivate, which decrease our costs, our blight, and we have better germination. Uh, we also find that strip tilling reduces our root rot, and we're not sure if it's because we're changing the temperature of the soil, we're introducing more oxygen in the soil, or because we're putting those micronutrients on. We're not putting it on without micronutrients to do a, a strip test because we are finding so much benefit from them, but we're doing some other tests where we're including um, humix or not humix in some of our strip till, and I can cover that later. So snap beans. We uh, strip tilled into a killed down rye. Uh, then we put on our 825.3 and ATS on half the field. And the other half of the field, we included the premium 21, which is the humix. Uh, we did this test last year. It, uh, we got hailed on really poor, really bad. So almost all of our acres were passed on by the bean companies. So we lost all that year's data. The reason why you've got to do half fields and half fields with vegetables, there's no yield monitors. The, when you're contracted, they come in, they uh, do all the harvest for you that's in your contract. You can't do any of your own harvest. Um, they tell you when it's going to harvest, and they also tell you 
go on and water it before you harvest so you can if they if they need more yield they'll say no go ahead and leave it up because the plants stay upright they'll get a little more yield if their plant is really full and other people have had bumper yields they'll say hey put that water on it it kind of pushes the down and they get less yield and they can be tricky but it's sort of about managing your risk there so what we're seeing so far this year with this test is the um, halves of the fields without the humix we see more thicker roots and more thicker root mass on the field with the humix we see finer roots a little bit more finer roots but a lot of nodulation uh, three times the amount of nodulation on the snap beans and you're looking at such a recruited crop that's it's a pretty good amount of nodulation We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for making this podcast possible, and welcome in Dr. Ray Acevedo, former assistant professor of precision agriculture at Kansas State University and agronomic consultant for Topcon Agriculture. In this week's technology tips from Dr. Ray, he discusses the practical application of using optical sensor tools to assess crop stress and reduce yield loss. And so if we start to consider the current health of the crop in combination with the growth, growth stage, and if it's a yield determining factor time, I can start to determine if I can make a yield recovery by making a nitrogen application, or I can start to determine if this is permanent yield loss. So for example, say we come in at V14, and it's been clearly stressed, and it was stressed through V10, through V12, I know that odds are pretty good that we have suffered permanent yield loss and I shouldn't be throwing down that additional 150 pounds of N because it's never going to be improving your yield and improving your profitability. I'd be better off pulling that nitrogen recommendation back and only applying N for what we can actually truly obtain for yield. And so this brings us, after bringing this all together in these number of high level steps, is that your agronomist will make you your final and nitrogen recommendation. And so what's the significance of optical sensor technologies and that the algorithms behind them has been developed by a number of different universities and different uh, companies in collaboration is that they start to bring all these steps together and apply agronomist logic, good science behind making true variable rate nitrogen recommendations on the go addressing what the crop needs exactly at the right time and then also at the right place. So that 4R concept that I'm sure a number of you have seen already. Well, thank you, Ray, for your insight and to Topcon Agriculture for supporting this podcast series. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Megan Wallendahl on the benefits and challenges of transitioning to organic acres. Weed control is sort of the biggest thing uh, in organics. I think what we do with uh, leaving the trash on the row and having that strip the bed, we use our tine harrow through it a lot. Uh, we tine harrow our soybeans, our corn, and our dry beans. And we're planting a higher population because we know we're going to be damaging our crops as we go through that tine harrow. When your corn is only this tall and you're taking that tine harrow through and you're ripping out plants or you're ripping plants, there's going to be damage. So a tine harrow has been a really invaluable tool for us with, with the strips. But it's been better to take the tine harrow through a strip-tilled field than a tine harrow through a no-till field for us. We're just finding that it's able to, it doesn't get all of the crops between the rows in the, that cover cropped area. I think there's too much protection there of too strong rooted, but in those beds we're able to pull it out 
a little sooner. We're harrowing diagonally usually. So we harrow diagonal on our fields until we're just emerged. On soybeans, we will still harrow diagonally up until V5. And then we will, depending on your crop, we'll go ahead and tine harrow with the rows. You can lift the tine harrows up on the row um, if you're afraid about damaging your crops and get them close. We've also got, uh, once the crops are a little bigger and you can't tine harrow, or it's kidney beans and the stand maybe was poor, we have a uh, finger weeder. So we've got a finger weeder that comes together like this, so it's getting right near that plant. So as we get that finger weeder moving, that's been a really valuable tool for getting the crops out of that crop row. And that's been very helpful. Uh, you still have, we budget in our cost of production about $150 per acre of hand weeding in all of our organic crops. We haven't reached that every year. It's been really helpful with all of our cultivation practices to reduce our hand weeding crops or costs. Uh, we also started, before we got into organics, we have all these specialty vegetables and dry beans. We had about seven cultivators before we got into organics. We have about 10 cultivators now. We have S-tine, C-tine, the, the finger weeders. We've got the tine harrow. We've got some lilacin with the spider wheels. You also have to be careful using Chilean nitrate. That's a uh, nitrogen. You could put on uh, mine nitrogen to put on your products. If you sell, if you know your contract is staying within the United States and your contractor doesn't require you to show you don't use Chilean nitrate, you can use it. But a lot of the products we're producing, they have, um, we have to sign something that says we won't use Chilean nitrate because they might sell to Canada or to, to EU. Because of that, you can't, they don't allow Chilean nitrate. That is not a organic, a universal organic amendment. That is just a United States organic amendment. Another comment on transitioning is the transitional market. If you've got someone in your office that can spend 20 hours a week to try and find that transitional market, go ahead and find it. We've spent a lot of time trying to find a transitional market for our transition crops, and it's just not, we can't find one near us. Um, maybe in different locations where you've got more either industry or livestock, they might have a transitional market. We just haven't found it. So what we've been doing with some of our fields is putting them into cover crop for a year or two. And then on that third year, when we're ready for organic, we put it in. Another comment on organic, it's a 36 month transition, but you can, so the first season we do cover crop, second season's cover crop, that third season we'll put in the crop that we are gonna harvest for organic. So when you start the season, it's still considered a transitional field and it's from the date of your last restricted amendment applied that you can harvest after that. So if our last restricted amendment was September of 2015, that means 16 is transition, 17 is transition in 2018, let me see if I did that right. Yeah, in 2018, September, let's say we applied it September 1st, 2015. September 2nd, we could harvest that crop and it could be certified organic. So you don't do three years and then that fourth year you plant your, your organic crop in, it is 36 months and it's really important to be aware of that. What we've done for organic transition too is selected our lowest performing fields and transition those. We weren't making any money on them conventionally. They usually had the lowest organic matter, the most weed bank, and just the poorest looking performing fields on our farm. And we said, hey, if we can transition these, make these healthier, make them more productive, our overall farm health would increase. With our transition to organic and seeing our rotations, we do want to start incorporating small grains and start incorporating some grass-fed beef. We've never had livestock on our farm. We see that's a very valuable tool 
in our organic rotations to have cattle on the land, move them across, and keep moving them as a rotational part of our rotation for organics and conventional. We're finding that a lot of our organic practices are really affecting our conventional practices in a positive way. Thank you, Megan, for your perspective and background on strip tilling, specialty crops, and also incorporating organic acres. Once again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for making this Strip Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies daily e-newsletter and be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Striptill Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. And a reminder that you can check out striptillfarmer.com slash NSTC for recent news and updates on our annual National Strip Tillage Conference. For Megan Wallendahl, Topcon Agriculture, and our entire staff here with Strip Till Farmer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening. Thank you.